wonderful privilege to have that understanding. Praise God. That is what we do. We give God praise majorly, mainly out of gratitude for all that he has done for us in Jesus' name. And that is something that we cannot, we just cannot allow that to slip in Jesus' name. Welcome to this service today. The presence of the Lord is here. In fact, the book of Acts refers to it as the refreshing of the presence of the Lord. Amen. Um, I think it's Isaiah that says, you know, at one time we felt God was angry with us, but not now. He loves us. It's not like he lets us get away with things, folks. He just has mercy and his compassion shines upon us in Jesus' name. Do you know somebody that needs to be saved? Do you? Do you know somebody maybe in your neighborhood? Why don't you lift up your hand right now, and why don't you take about 30 seconds maybe, and let's intercede for these people. Come on, there's lots of folks out there that don't know what you know. They're not in a place like this today. Come on, they're invited. Jesus, he's opening the door, but praise God. Let's ask God to touch them right now, right in this moment. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Touch these people, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to be worthy ambassadors to you. Worthy ambassadors to you, Lord God. Help us to reach out on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, Lord God. Do something. That will just introduce you to people, Lord God, whether it be on this internet or whether it be in a jail, whether it be at the primrose, whether it be in a Bible study, wherever, Lord God, help us to, 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 to just announce you everywhere that we go in the name of Jesus. Touch us today, Lord God. Let this be a part of our fiber. Help us never to forget what you have done for us in the name of Jesus. You literally have done so much for us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Strengthen these that are here today. I pray for the outpouring of your spirit, Lord God. I pray for healings and deliverances. I come against every form of addiction that is not of you, God. I come against it right now. I, in the name of Jesus, announce that the chains are broken, even in this place right now. I'm talking about anything from drugs, alcohol, nicotine, whatever it is Lord God it's broken right now in the name of Jesus we give you the praise and the glory for this Lord Ooh, oh hallelujah Lord God you are the one that sets the captive free you set the Thank you, Jesus. And you may be seated. Thank you for coming again today. We appreciate the house of the Lord and the so many things that go on in this place. Praise God. Our only real emphasis here is we just pray. And I prayed that this morning as I anointed everything in this place and this building and around it. God, let it be pleasing to you. Let what we do give glory to you in Jesus' name. And I'm not against the stuff that we do. Some of these things are, are okay. I don't think God has a problem with it. But I feel like we just need to extend most of our energy to giving God glory and praise. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Somebody says the who, what, and the how, and, or, you know, is, is really the important thing in life. And, um, and salvation is an important issue. If you're here today and you're wondering, does God have a plan for you? I'm here to tell you he does. And the first plan, the Bible says, I think it's in the book of Peter where it says that he's not willing that any should perish. That's God. That's a statement that God makes to every individual in this life. 
but he's wanting everyone to come to a place called repentance. And repentance isn't filling up handkerchief after handkerchief, although that might have a byproduct to it. Really, repentance has its probably its most solid work in the fact that we change the way we look at things, the way we think about things. And so God is wanting to help us to do that in Jesus' name. You know, somebody said, well, who's the who he's talking about? Well, Jesus said if a person, a man, mankind be born again, they can enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. And so that, that wasn't an ultimatum. That wasn't, you know, trying to make religious movements look bad. That was an invitation that Jesus extends, and he extends that today. You and I live under what, the, what a lot of theologians refer to as the dispensation of grace. And grace is a time when anybody who wants to get saved can be saved. They can. Not on their own. They're going to have to come through the gates of God. But the bottom line is God offers that invitation to every person. Praise God. Now, personally, I don't know exactly where we're at in end-time theology, but I know that we're, we're, we're fast approaching the end of an age. Praise God. Where God is going to come down, he's going to intervene again like he's always done. Praise God. The last time we had a change like this was between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus himself, God enrobed in the flesh, came and, and, and brought that into, into place. Praise God. And what a, what a, what a period of time. Praise God, you know, to, to, to switch from the law, which was not done away with, by the way. It was just fulfilled by somebody who could. His name was Jesus. And then he ushered in the, usher, uh, the, the, the time of grace. And, and what a time you and I live in, praise God. That's why the invitation to be, to be born again is a, is a brilliant one, praise God. God has, has ushered that in. You say, what? Well, Jesus said this in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, um, he said to go ye therefore into all the world, you know, and teach them and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which we understand to be the name of Jesus. But then he said, the what is really to teach them everything that I taught you. Teach them to observe everything that I tell you. Now we understand that's not a crash course that you can get, you know, for a three-hour course on the internet. That is not going to happen praise God, that you have to work on that. In fact, if you look at salvation, salvation is one of the most elastic subjects there is in the Bible. What do you mean by that? Is there a lot of different plans? No, but the plan itself is very elastic. Why is that? Because all of us need to be initially saved. We do. And you say, saved from what? We need to be saved from the dominion of sin. Tonight at the men's meeting, we're going to talk about that's the last dominion that we're going to talk about. We talked about circumstances, ourselves. We talked about the devil. But tonight, we're going to talk about having dominion over sin. And the only way you're ever going to have dominion over sin is with God's help. That's the only way it's going to work. You can frustrate yourself all you want. I tried that for years, tried being good enough, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying good works don't warrant themselves, but it's never going to get you to heaven. You and I have to accept what Jesus Christ says. And that's why he told his disciples, go into this world, you know, and start teaching them. Yes, baptize them. We had a baptism last Sunday night. Wasn't that beautiful? Yeah, we still do that. We have a baptismal back there, and we'll do that on a regular basis, praise God. But the bottom line is, folks, we have to be taught things. And so initially, to get into the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Or let me put it to you this way. You get to be born again. This have-to stuff, I'm trying to rid myself of that. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. God made you with enough God in you that you can make up your, your own mind. That's really what gets us into a lot of trouble in this world, by the way. But it's the truth. God allows people to make up their own minds. And you know something? Because he's God, he loves them anyway. 
That's something I've been trying to wrap myself around for 45 years, literally. But that's how it works. But then the next phase that you enter, once you're born again, and how are you born? The Bible says Jesus was specific when he said you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. We believe in that, that, that new birth experience. How many here can wave their hand and say, that's me? Yeah. Look at the testimony that you have in this place. These are not people that we, you know, that in, on, on some TV show here that we're trying to hype you up. This is a real deal. This happens in our church on a regular basis. And that's the, the kingdom of God. But then you move into another phase. Once you've been born again of the water and of the spirit, you move into working out your salvation. Tim, or uh, Phil, uh, the, the book of um, um, Philippians, uh, Paul referred to the church. He said, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He didn't tell them to rewrite the plan. He didn't tell them to come up with the plan of salvation. He just was, you know, spiritual enough to realize that there's a lot of things that have to be worked out. And that's not a bad thing, folks. That's a good thing. Position yourself in life to where, with God's help, you can work things out. You'll find yourself to be more joyful. You'll find yourself to be a whole lot less frustrated. And you will find the goodness of God in a lot of places you go. And then the last phase of salvation in this dispensation is something called eternal salvation. That what does that mean? You know, several places in the scripture, I think in particularly the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, and I think it's in the 13th chapter of the book of Mark, you know, Jesus referred to he that endureth until the end. And you say, well, when's the end? Well, you know, there is going to be an end of the world, but you don't have to wait that long, you know. The bottom line is you and I are going to have an end. See, the scripture very pointly tells us, it says it's been appointed unto man or mankind once to die. That's not a horrible statement. That's God disclosing to you what's going to happen, whether you like it or not. You and I are not going to live in this world for eternity. We're going to die. And that's not a bad thing when you understand what's on the other side. Praise God. And I'm telling you something, this is part of the package that you get. God begins to disclose to you that this is not it. That eternity goes on forever. And so today, and those of you that are online with us today, we're not trying to shove, you know, the UPC doctrine down your throat. All we're trying to do is tell you that we found out in the Bible, praise God, that these experiences are real. And they, they really do work in the name of Jesus. And God wants to help each and every person in this world. He loves everybody. That scripture that's been probably the most quoted scripture in the Bible for years, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's the will of God. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. In fact, he never, he never created hell for us. He created it for the angels who in another dispensation disobeyed God. That's just the way it is. If God is a true, loving, and just God, he has to provide that in Jesus' name. And so today, if you're here today and you're wondering about salvation, praise God, and you wonder if you're saved, I want you just to lift your hands right now and we're going to pray for you. Come on. You don't have to wonder this right now in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I would pray that every person under the sound of my voice would literally take this serious. 
Not to have to worry about it, God, but to understand that through the blood of Jesus Christ, they are already saved, praise God, and they've been born again. And if they haven't been, Lord God, we're not here to condemn them. We're not here to, to make them look bad. We're just here to say that that invitation is still wide open. Anybody can come. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what kind of a background they have. They can come to the, to the house of God. They can come to the kingdom of God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you provide this salvation to us free and without charge. And so, Lord God, touch every person. I would pray that nobody goes home offended. I would pray that nobody would feel bad, uh, that, they would, they, they, that the goodness of the Lord would begin to work in their lives and begin to lead them to repentance to where they can understand that this thing is real and that you are a providing God in the name of Jesus. And God, in advance, I give you praise and glory for what you're doing in the name of Jesus. I give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's give God praise. God, praise God, and I thank you for that. So the who is us. The what is to do what Jesus told us to do. The where is really, you can go back to the 24th chapter of the book of Luke, and you can see that they began this kind of a message in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus set it up, and it went into all the world, praise God, 24th chapter of the book of, of Luke. And then the how is, is very easy. You know, you get into the book of Acts is really where you begin to see people get saved. You begin to see people that really answer the call that God put in their life. And the how is found in the second chapter of the book of Acts. When Jesus, or when Peter preached on that day of Pentecost. And the Bible says after he preached Christ to them, the first thing that he had to clarify was the fact that these guys begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance on the day of Pentecost. And brought, that brought a little confusion to people. And some people were wondering, well, what is this? You know, and so other people already kind of entered their own little idea and said, well, these guys are drunk. And that wasn't the case. And Peter clarified that. He said, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. You see, God, God already invested in the Old Testament the ability for this to happen in the New Testament. Praise God. And then when he got done with the message, as it should be, you know, when the word is preached, there, should, there's, there needs to be a response. And the Bible says that they asked, they said, well, what should we do? What do we do with this? You told us that the, the one that came to save our souls were, was crucified. And Peter said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We see that very first inaugural time in the second chapter of the book of Acts, 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom of God in one day. In one day. Amen. I, for years, that was an insurmountable uh, amount. Until here about 20, 30 years ago, crusades begin to happen around the world, praise God. And in one crusade, it's documented, there was over 100,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost the same way they did in the book of Acts by speaking in new tongues. Now, I'm telling you the truth. I'm not making this stuff up. This is not something to, to, you know, to, to appeal to your emotions. This is a fact. And many times we've seen that in the world in Jesus' name. And so we in America, we struggle sometimes with this. And hopefully today, you know, for a little bit, I can, I can help you with that. Because I believe that God does want to help us here in America. But we're going to have to take on a different, um, uh, a different 
uh, mindset. And I'm not an anti-American. I'm not here to have a campaign slogan or whatever the case is. Um, in my opinion, there's way, way, way too much money that's spent on that stuff. There just is. If all of that money was given to missions, if all that money was put into evangelistic efforts in this country, oh, my goodness, who could, I mean, what, I mean, it could, it would be phenomenal. And I'm not trying to be critical, I'm just telling you folks, I don't like to get involved in those um, arenas. But there's no question in my mind that America does have a, a mindset that we have to be careful in Jesus' name. Turn to the second, second Corinthians chapter number 9. I want to show you something. Paul and his teaching to the Corinthian church ran into a lot of buzz saws. He ran into a lot of um, idiosyncrasies. He ran into a lot of different mindsets and and he had to spend a lot of time, you know, teaching the church at Corinth different aspects because they themselves were people that were not familiar with Christianity, not like the nation of Israel. And so they had to be, um, they had to be uh, taught and they had to be shown and things like that. And Paul was trying to help them to understand certain principles that would begin to work. Uh, theologians say that the Corinthian church was probably one of the largest churches at that time, probably numbering in the, you know, eight to 10,000, you know, which numbers isn't everything, but you know it made a, quite an effect on, in, in the area over there. And listen to what he says here in the ninth chapter, Second Corinthians, and uh, in verse number six. I know I'm kind of coming in in the middle of a thought, but I think you'll get the gist of this. It says, but this I say, this is Paul, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now that's the law of the sowing of the seed. And that is, that's been evident in the kingdom of God ever since it began. It, it, it used, to, used to blow me away, some people that would come into the church, and, and man, you would see them just grow in leaps and bounds. And you'd say, wow, these people came from some pretty rough backgrounds. And then you'd see other people that would come in, and I'm not, again, not being disparagingly, um, you know, critical, but the bottom line is you'd see people who were educated, people who had what this world would say, you know, uh, had it by the tail. And you would see them stumble, and you'd see them ha have a hard time. And this for years bothered me. I thought, what is the deal, God? Why, what, why is this happening, you know? And God helped me to understand that it didn't have anything to do with what they brought into the kingdom of God. It had to do with what they would allow God to bring to them in the kingdom of God. And this is why, you know, in another place in Scripture, it says he that soweth to the flesh is just, going to sow, is just going to reap corruption. And this really began to open up my eyes, and I began to see that, yes, this is, this is a real deal. This really happens, praise God. And so Paul is reiterating this. And then he says in verse number seven, he says, every man according to, or according as he purposed in his heart, the word purpose there could be replaced with the word choose. However you choose in your heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. And you know, the word, you know, the necessity there, you know, sometimes means don't do it because you don't want to. Don't look at this and say, I have to do this. You don't have to do anything. You know, the best part about giving sometimes is the fact that I, do, I wouldn't have to do this. But I'm going to do it, praise God, because I choose to do this. 
And so God loves a cheerful uh, giver. That's what he likes. But verse number eight is something I want you to consider this morning, along with what what I just gave you. The Bible says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, I know that's a bunch of King James Version language, but basically there's another place in Scripture that says that he shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Now, we in America really stumble at this. We really do. And again, I'm not an anti, this is not an anti-American message. This is something to help us. Because I want to see revival in America. I hear all of these things that are happening on the foreign field, and there's something in my heart that goes, wow, why can't we see something like that here? And I'm not the judge, folks. I'm, I'm just I'm the messenger this morning. But I do believe that individually and even as certain churches, and I believe this church is destined for that, that God wants to help us to really be that light, that city on a hill. Praise God. Not having the light under a a bushel, but on a candlestick that the whole house is lit up. Praise God. That people can see it for miles and miles and miles and miles. Do you feel that kind of destiny here? I do. I I really do. And it has nothing to do with who you and I are. It has to do with our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so God wants to help us this morning to put some things, you know, in perspective and, and, and to help us, praise God, to really, really, really get what he has for us in Jesus' name. Another scripture before I go on this morning, I used this last week, um, is found in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter number six. And I want to show you something here, just real quickly here. Luke chapter number six, and the Bible says in verse 38 there, six and 38, again, another principle that has to do with what we're talking about here this morning. The Bible says give. Everybody say give. Yeah. And, the, and it says, and it shall be given unto you. It says good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you met, it says wherewith it shall be measured to you. Praise God again. And so again, we see a principle in the kingdom of God. Last week I talked about the fact that it's your turn, that it's your turn, that, we, that God is, is there. Every morning when you wake up, I know this, some of you heard this, but every morning when you wake up, God is there. He doesn't resist you, you know, but what we do with that is, is very, very important, and that's why the scripture says if we draw nigh unto God, what does it say it's going to happen? Yeah, and we looked at a, a couple of different scriptures that supported this, you know, throughout the, um, you know, throughout the, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, that God has been trying to teach us these things for years, that yes, he's God, yes, he could grab you by the hand and just wash you through life, but that's not how God has chosen to do it. God has put enough God in every person in this world that you can make up your own mind, that you can choose which way you want to go. And that's what really what, what is happening in this world right now as you and I sit in this place because we've chose to come here. There's a lot of people who don't. And what am I going to do, sit here and, and, and badger and lambast everybody who doesn't come? No, that's not what God tells me to do. He says, feed my sheep. 
He says, nourish my lambs. He said, that's what you need to do. And this is what I'm trying to help you with here today, praise God. I'm not putting you down. I, I, I thank God that you chose to come to church. Amen. I thank God that we can come into a place like this and we can literally sense the presence of the Lord and lots of things can happen, praise God. And this is how God handles it. He doesn't do this because you and I are so good. He does it because he chooses to do it this way. Can somebody say amen? And so you and I, we can begin to choose things, praise God, and we can begin to let God have his way. We studied last week in the Old Testament how that Solomon was commissioned to build a beautiful temple. You know, for years, the temple in the Old Testament was a, um, was a portable one. They, they moved it, and they went different places and that type of thing. But finally, God gave them the land that he had promised Abraham. And so having that land, he say he proposed that they would build him a temple where he would dwell, praise God. And a beautiful edifice took years for it to be built and, it, and spared no expense. I forget how many billions of dollars in today's money that would have cost to build a, a, a temple like that. And that's beside the point. The beautiful thing is, is after they dedicated that temple, the spirit of the Lord came down in that temple. And the scripture says they couldn't even minister because the presence of the Lord took preeminence. Listen to me, folks. I don't know how you feel about that, but I want that kind of thing for our churches today. Praise God. I'm telling you, this is what God wants to do. He wants to come down and just kind of take over in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're here today and you want that kind of thing in your life, why don't you lift up your hands right now and why don't you give God that opportunity? Come on, he's a good God. He loves you. He cares for you. Oh, hallelujah. He literally cares for you folks. And that's what he does. He makes and allows himself to become available. Praise God. You think about that scripture, you know, it says that, you know, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto your children and them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God promised that he would pour out his spirit. Now, pouring out his spirit doesn't mean he's going to make everybody be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's not what that means. It just means that by pouring out his spirit, he allows it to become available to whosoever chooses to have that. And that's why this message is still about choice. Amen. God doesn't come down here and make us do things. He doesn't threaten us. He gives us both sides of the coin, though. Praise God. You can go on and do things your own way for as long as you want to, but one of these days that's going to come to an end. And that's why the scripture says it's been appointed unto people once to die and then the judgment. Amen. And it's not because, you know, God is, can't wait to just send people to hell. It's because he's a just God. But in the meantime, God is making provision. Oh, I feel that provision here today. It's called grace. It's called mercy. He's making that available to every person in this place and in the sound of my voice on the internet. I'm telling you right now, that's why when we read the book of the, of the Revelation, you must understand, this is after thousands of years that God has poured out his mercy. This is after hundreds of years that God has tried to reach people. After people, after people, praise God. God doesn't just walk up to people and send them into judgment. He is, he is literally trying to reach people. And that's why I, I, I taught the way I taught last week. I want you to understand, you know, God's already done it. He's already here. He's not going anywhere. But what are we going to do with it in Jesus' name? And so this is what we find. This is the thing that, that we find that, that can be 
um, uh, that, can, that, that needs patience because you've got to allow people to make up their own minds in Jesus' name. Praise God. You know, there's a story that Jesus told in the 10th chapter of the book of Mark, and it has to do with, um, with salvation. There was a young man, the Bible says, that came to Jesus one day after hearing him preach, and, and Jesus, in my opinion, was, was tremendous. Even his critics said, we've never heard it like this before. I mean, he was a powerful teacher and anointed, and that's, that's one thing that anointing uh, will do. It'll, it'll just set a stage that nothing else can. And so this young man came to him and, and was, was uh, curious about, um, and actually the scripture says in the book of Mark that, that the young man came running to Jesus, literally running to him, and saying, what do I got to do to be saved? And of course, Jesus, being God, he's not going to violate his word, and that's exactly what he said. He said, well, what does the word say? You know? And of course, the, the man um, was a believer. He, he was a, fo a so-called follower of God, and, and he starts naming the commandments, you know, and, um, and, and uh, Jesus said, yeah, that's good. That's what you need to do. And of course, the man was, was very happy because for the most part, his life was full of that, and that's good. I'm not saying it isn't, but Jesus, you know, looking at that man, um, you know, said there's one thing you lack, and, um, and this is one that sometimes we, we struggle with, praise God. Um, and, and, and what's God doing raining on this guy's parade? Well, this one thing that he lacked was draining a lot of things out of this person's life. And in my opinion, that's what I see in America. I see uh, that, you know, there's, a, there's it's a couple of things in this country that are extremely, I mean, just literally draining, you know, out of the kingdom of God. And one of, one of those things is our, our attitude towards, um, towards money and, and materialism. I mean, there's no question about it. This world is so full of it. And I'm not here to, to, to hurt anybody and, and to make you feel bad because of what you have in life. I'm just here to help you to understand that those are not the kind of things that are going to save people. You know, our coming to God and, 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 and relying on him is what's so, so very important. I had a question asked of me here not too long ago. And um, I, it really kind of took me back, um, and, and I just kind of hesitated for a minute because I'd never been asked that, I don't think. Maybe I have. But I had a person ask me, they asked me, so you pastor a church? I said, yeah, I do. They said, well, how much government subsidy do you get in your church? Oh, I never heard that before. I said, government subsidy? He said, yeah. He said, the government's pouring out all this money everybody's getting. He says, do you get any of that in your church? I said, I'll have to check with the secretary, but I said, last I checked, no, we're not getting any government checks. And they th just thought that was funny. They thought because of what, how our government is and stuff like that, that, that it just, you know, it just, you know, the, the, we get it too. You know, we get a monthly allotment or whatever the case is. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. And so the question went on. I said, well, well how does that work? How do you people, how do, how, what supports? Well, and I'll use this just kind of as an illustration today. There's really three levels of giving that you're going to find in the Bible. And I'd like to keep it as far as the Bible is concerned, praise God. The first level of, of giving is, of course, the tithe. And if you want to study a, 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 an adjacent su subject with this, this would be good. And what it is, it's the subject of the firstborn or the firstling. First place you see this really is the conflict between Cain and Abel. You know, sometimes we think, well, Abel was a, or Cain was a gardener, so he brought that. And that's not what God required. You must understand one of the, one of the last things that we observe in the third chapter of the book of Genesis, after the, uh, Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, was that God covered them. 
and he didn't cover them with radishes. He didn't cover them with corn. He covered them with an animal skin whom he had to literally shed the blood of. That's what he did. And so we understand that blood sacrifice in the Old Testament was a requirement. In fact, you can study the whole Old Testament, and you're going to find that that's what they were doing. They would offer sacrifices to the Lord. And, of course, this wasn't for the remission of sins. This was for the appeasement of sins. It came to a time where Jesus Christ himself offered himself as a supreme sacrifice. That's why you and I enjoy the things that we enjoy today. It's because we don't have to bring that kind of a sacrifice. But the principle of the first fruits is very important. And so the tithe represents that. That's why some people really get that messed up. They say it was done away with in the Old Testament and that that was all brought about in the law. I beg to differ you. The, um, the giving of a tithe happened 500 years before the law. If you study the life of, of, of Abraham, you're going to find that he paid tithes. And so this was not a, a law issue, and this is where some people get mixed up. But let me show you something in Scripture. I want to show you this. Look at Proverbs chapter number 3, and I want to show you something that, again, as a principle in the, in the things of God that we, we, in America, we just don't, we, don't, we don't grasp this. We have a hard time with this. We want to take care of ourselves first, and then we want to take care of whatever God wants us to do. And again, I'm not finding fault here today. I'm just telling you that's why, on the most part, folks, this country is cursed with a curse. It is. And I'm not saying we don't have all kinds of money. That's not the curse. I'm going to show you what the curse is here in just a few minutes, okay? I'm going to show you what that is. But listen to what the book of Proverbs says in chapter number 3. It says in verse number 5, Proverbs 3 and 5, it says, trust in the Lord. Look at somebody and say, trust in the Lord. Such a simple concept. But we in America struggle with that. We do. So trust in the Lord, how? With all thine heart. You remember that working out your own salvation with fear and trembling? That's one of the things that has to be worked out. That's why God doesn't make a demand. He doesn't say you better do this by the end of the week or you're out. He just says you've got to start working on this. And that was a project that I got involved with years ago. I'm not saying I've got to perfect it. I'm just saying I've got to work on that one. And so the Bible says... It says, with all of thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. If you've got your own Bible, or you should underline that. And you should ask God on a regular basis to give you some understanding of what does that mean for you. Where does that go with you? And then the scripture says, in all of thy ways, in verse 6, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Give it to God, and he'll direct you. But boy, we in America don't like that. I'm telling you right now, we do not like that. And so the scripture says, Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Verse 7, And it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bone. And look at verse number 9 here. Here's another one of those verses you need to underline. Here's that principle. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. There's the tithe. There's where people miss it. They think that I should do this after everything else is done. And that's not what it's talking about. And if you study the story between Cain and Abel, you're going to find that's where Cain messed up. 
He tried to do it his own way. The Bible says that Cain brought an offering to the Lord. It says that Abel brought the, of the firstlings of his flock. Big difference. And that's why when the offerings went up, you know, Cain's sitting over there going, yeah, that's pretty good stuff I brought. And God doesn't receive it. And he gets ticked. He gets mad. You know, and the Lord comes and confronts him and says, what are you so mad about? And the Lord just says, listen, if you'll do what's right, if you do what I tell you to do, everything's going to be fine. But you know, the bottom line is, and this proves that, that Cain didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. And I have found, not only in America, but sometimes in the church, and I'm not ready to throw you out. When I first started the ministry, I'd have given you maybe a week or two. Yeah. But God has softened my heart. God has worked my motor over. Not that I'm compromising because you don't do what God wants you to do. Please, I'm never going to agree with that. But I've learned to have mercy. I've learned to pray for you. I've learned to really go to my knees and ask God to really begin to do something in your life. Not in a bad way, but to try to soften you and give you eyes of understanding, not from an American standpoint, but from a godly standpoint in the name of Jesus. Because listen to me, folks, if you're going to get involved in some of the things that this Bible says we need to get involved in, you're going to have to have a godly perspective. You're going to have to have a heavenly dimension in the name of Jesus. Would you like that? Come on, would you like a heavenly view right now? Come on, lift up your hands right now. And let's ask the Lord to do that. Come on, he's willing. He is willing. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. This is what he wants to do, by the way. He wants to bless you. He wants to touch your life. He wants to make you such an impact in your neighborhood, praise God, that people can't walk by your house without looking and going, what's going on in there? He wants to make you so valuable at your job that, praise God, that people are going to wonder what's going on in their lives. I'm telling you, that's the kind of blessing that God can bring into your life. Amen. You can't do that. God can, though, and he will if you'll be faithful to him, if you'll trust him, if you'll not lean on your understanding but begin to lean on his. I'm telling you something, the sky is, is the limit, praise God. He will do tremendous things into your life. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. You're going to have to get rid of it. You're going to have to be delivered just like I have, have to be from this American mindset. And this is where we're at. And I'm going to show you, praise God, what, what goes on. Now, because we've got some curious people in here right now, let's go to the book of Malachi. This is where um, the subject of tithing is brought up to the nation of Israel. And we understand that the, the, the problem there was that they weren't doing it. I was talking, who was it I was talking to? I think it was Sister Wanda last week. And we were talking about the Sabbath. And I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but what God did in the Old Testament, but he, he told the nation of Israel that the land was to have a Sabbath. That every seventh year, the land was not to be planted. It wasn't to be cultivated. It wasn't to be done with. That land needed to rest. And God said, don't worry about it. The sixth year, I'm going to give you extra. And if you'll be smart and you'll learn how to can and you'll learn how to store things, you're going to have enough provision for that whole year. Isn't that a deal? Come on, doesn't that make sense? But do you know something, folks, and I'm not trying to find fault. I'm just pointing out mankind. There is no place in history where the nation of Israel ever observed that. What does that tell you? 
that tells you that as a people, we struggle with the things of God. Now listen, I'm not implicating them. I'm just saying that's the way human beings are. And sometimes we struggle with the plan of God because we want God to drive up with a great big huge truck, a double truck in America, and we want all kinds of things unloaded into our garage, and we want to have everything right there, and then we'll think, well, give me another day to think about this, God. That's exactly the way we are, and you know what I'm saying is true. But some of you that have learned to tithe, listen to me, folks, I'm not into statistics, but I read one statistic this last week that uh, there's, there, there, there's very few people in America that tithe. In fact, the average Christian, a person who says they're following God, gives about one and maybe one and a half percent of their income to God. That's where we're at. That's why I'm not preaching against you. I'm just informing you. And, but in this church, I think we got 40 to 45% of the people who come here on a regular basis tithe. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I wish you all did, not so that I could have a big bank account, but so that your lives would be blessed because that's the first level. The first level is the tithe. If you can give back to God what belongs to him, I'm going to tell you something. The door's open to you, and I'm going to show you what will happen to you, praise God. Look at verse number in, in Malachi chapter number 3. Look at what happens here. The Bible says in verse number um, um, number eight there, in the third chapter of Malachi, three and eight, it says, will a man rob God? It says, yet yeah, you have robbed me, but you, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he points it out. He says, you're not giving tithes or offerings. And I've had people say all that, well, that's Old Testament. Yeah, I know it's in the Old Testament, but Jesus condoned it in the New Testament. And so there it is. He said, you've robbed me. Now listen to me, folks. There was another place in the scripture where God called them thieves. There's a big difference between a thief and a robber. Big difference. A thief comes at night. It's stealth. It, you're not there. You wake up in the morning and all of a sudden something's missing. You're going, boy, a thief was in here. Yeah, but a robber's different. A robber will walk up in broad daylight, pull out his gun, put it on your head and say, give me that purse or give me that wallet. That's the difference, and that's what they were doing. Now listen, I understand that's not good, but God is warning us. And so the Bible says, look at, look at what he does. He says, you are cursed with a curse. There it is. I didn't make this up. And I'm going to show you what I feel like the curse is in this country here in just a minute, okay? And so he says, you're cursed. And then, he, then again, because he's a loving God, he gives us another opportunity. Just like he's given many of you many opportunities. He's given me many opportunities. I've messed up royally sometimes since I've been in the, in, in the, um, in the kingdom of God. And I'm not, I'm not advocating and I'm just saying we serve a merciful God. But the bottom line is, folks, we need to take heed to what God is saying. We've got to quit trusting this country. We've got to quit trusting, you know, uh, all kinds of things. I'm not saying don't pray for them. What I'm saying in the name of Jesus is we've got to trust God. This is what our mandate is. Jesus said, go into this world and teach them and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. That's the mandate of the church. And I know that's tough compared to the rest of the world, but look at the benefit package you're going to have. you got to get saved. Somebody say amen. God's giving you time right now to work out your salvation. And then one of these days, whether it be the rapture or you die, you're going to be set up for eternal salvation for the rest of eternity. Come on, folks, that sounds pretty good to me. 
Come on, this, this idea of digging in our heels because God expects some things from us. Come on, let's get over that. That's an American concept. Americans want everything their way. They want the cake, they want the frosting, and then they want another one baked while they're eating the one they're eating. That's theology according to Carnahan, okay? Well, I, uh, thank you. The Bible says, bring the ties. God says, come on, let's quit fooling around here, guys. Let's quit being a robber. Let's quit being a thief. Come on, bring the ties into the storehouse. And if you really want an understanding of the storehouse, that's the church. And the scripture says that there be meat in mine house. And look at what happens here. He says, and prove me now wherewith, with says, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Wow, what an offer he's making to us. Now, that's not talking about more money, folks. That's talking about Jesus referred to stuff that we can put in the heavenly bank that will not be involved in, in inflation. Praise God. It's not going to rust. It's not going to get moth and, and, you know, bitten and all of that kind of stuff. It's going to stay as fresh as it was. That's the deal with the kingdom of God. And so the Bible says one of the major things that God will do is in verse number 11. And God has got to do it. You can't do this. And we try in America. We try to come up with our schemes, man, a mile a minute. We try to come up with all kinds of plans. That's what we're about in this country. But I'm going to tell you something. There's only one plan. His name is Jesus. And when you go back to that scripture, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. That's what the Bible says, folks. You can try to dig that out as much as you want, but it's about as plain as a nose on your face. Come on, this is where God's trying to take his church. Individually, that's where he's trying to take you. And so the scripture says here, he says, and I will rebuke the devourer. That's what he said he would do. He says, for why? Why are you going to do that, God? For your sakes. Because you trust in me, I'm going to do something for you. That's what that is. You read it sideways, upside down, backwards, whatever you want. You're going to find that it's your turn now. Come on, I'll go back to last week's message. It's time for us to make a move towards God. God has already made a move towards us. He has invested all kinds of things in you. I'm telling you right now, He loves you so much that He came down here and shed His blood for you. That's what He did. And now what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with that? Well, listen to me. Let me tell you the rest of the story, okay? Let's go back to the 10th chapter of the book of, 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 of Mark there. And remember the guy... Remember the guy? I heard a Hollywood version of this one time, and I still haven't been able to <laughs> verify it, but I thought it was quite cute. You know, in, in the book of Acts, there's two times in the first four chapters that you see God get a hold of the church. The first time is in the second chapter of the book of Acts after the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, 120 in the upper room, 3,000 came in. It was a powerful day in the kingdom of God. Scripture says that they continued steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine, and they were, I mean, they were just having church all the time, and, and I love to have been there. I think it would have been a powerful atmosphere. But the Scripture says that they began to sell everything they had and give to people who were in need. And you must understand that back then they didn't have a welfare system. You know, there were people that came into church that didn't have much. And so the church got behind that, and I think that's good. The second time you see that is in the fourth chapter. 
when they started getting some opposition. They went back and had a prayer meeting, uh, Brother Darren, in the church. And they, they began to pray, and the place was shaken. I mean to tell you, it was just powerful prayer meeting. And the scripture says, again, the Spirit got upon those people, and they began to sell everything and give people things. And there was a guy there named Joseph, J-O-S-E, I believe is his name, S. And um, this rich young ruler here, I had somebody preach one time, and I have not been able to find it. But it sounds good. You want something that sounds good today? Is that right? Okay, I'll give you something that sounds good. I had somebody preach one time that the rich young ruler ended up with, as Barnabas. Sounds good, doesn't it? Can't verify it. But, you know, it's a Hollywood version, okay? But the bottom line is, I, I hope that it was. I hope the guy walked away and go, Jesus don't like me, telling me what I don't have and all that. <laughs> go home and start crying to the wife, or if he had one, you know, and start kicking the cat, the cat, not the dog. God don't like me. He told me I need to give it all up. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Well, one day maybe he got, you know, maybe Uncle somebody came to the rooms. What are you crying about? Well, I went to a meeting with Jesus, and he told me it's stuff, you know. He said, well, you know, that guy's a pretty good guy, and he's God and all that kind of business. All of a sudden, this guy wakes up, and maybe he did end up, hey, listen, I'm going to sell it all. What good is it? Right. You know, I'm just telling you something, folks. There was hope for that guy. But here's what I want you to see. You know, we can talk about this guy, and we can give the Hollywood version and all that kind of business. I want to give you the real version here. This is what the deal was. Look at Mark 10 and verse 22. This is the end of dealing with this young man. The Bible says, and he was sad at that saying. Jesus just told him, he said, listen, if you'll sell all that stuff, I'll, I'll give you treasure in heaven. Sounds like a good deal. Scripture says, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now listen to me, folks. You can say all you want, you can talk to me, give me all your sob stories about how you don't have any money and that type of stuff. What God wants you to do this morning, one of the things that God wants you to do is compare yourself to the rest of the world. Compare yourself to the rest of the world. I'm here to tell you folks, we are very, very materialistic rich people. We just are. And I include myself in that folks, I really do. It takes one act of God to keep us from going over the deep end. It really does, folks, because we have so much access to so many things in this country. And like I said, God becomes an afterthought. That's what happens. That's why the principle of the first fruits is so important. God says, I don't want you divvying this out after everything else is done. He said, I want this to become the first thing. Now listen, I'm talking about the, a biblical aspect of giving. And you've got to make a decision to do this. We can talk about offerings, and one of these days we will. We can talk about exuberant giving, and there's examples of that in the Bible. God will move upon you to do that. Let me give you a personal example of that. When Sister Carnahan and I decided to move out here to Gillette, Wyoming, we had no idea what we were doing, but we did know that we had to come up here, out here, and, and set up house. I remember I came out here, and, um, and, and we didn't have a place to live and, and none of that, so the church had a little bit of property back uh, out here on Collins Road, so we decided to make a long story short, we bought a double wide, an old double wide, not an old one, but it was one that was used, and um, I'll never forget, the, the guy wanted, um, was $18,000 for it, and um, I'll never forget the guy's name was Jude, and he said to me, he said, 
you got a job? I said, no, I'm just coming out here. Um, he asked me about five different questions, and I just said, no, no, no. He said, you really want me to put this application in? I said, yeah, go ahead. And so he put the application in, and about, a week or about two weeks before we were to come out here, to move out here, he calls me, and he says, I don't know who you know. I said, what do you mean? He said, they passed your application. I said, okay. I said, I'll tell you one thing, Ken. I said, I know Jesus Christ. And he's the one that's going to do it for us. And so that's what happened. Her and I, we got the house, that type of thing. But we needed money to come out here. And I had, some of you guys are going to appreciate this, we had a 1979 Thunderbird. Oh, it was a cherry. They still say cherry? It was cherry. It was. It was like driving a living room down the street. It really was. Two-door. You know, it's one of those cars where you had to park it into two spaces because when you opened up the doors, I mean, they were huge. And you would sit in that thing, and I mean to tell you, you talk about cruising. You would cruise down the road. And it was my wife. I paid for it, but it was her car, and she loved that car. But we needed to, we needed to get a U-Haul. We needed, to, we needed to get going. We needed to come, and we didn't have any extra money. And so we sold that car so that we could move out here. Now, I didn't tell you that story so you would feel sorry for me. That was our calling. We were glad to do it. But that's an example of extraordinary giving. When you see that God needs something, and something has to happen right now, and you're willing to part from whatever it is that you have. And I believe personally, I believe that God will give people an opportunity to get involved in that kind of giving at least once in their life. I really do. I feel like God will do that just to kind of test us. But back to this rest of the story here. Look at this. The Bible says, and Jesus looked around about, this is in verse 23. I'm still in, in Mark chapter 10. It says, and saith unto his disciple, how hard shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now, that's quite a statement. He's saying, we make it hard on ourselves sometimes. And that's literally what we do. And the disciples were astonished at his words in verse 24, but Jesus answered again. And he clarifies it, kind of like you must be born again. And then Nicodemus asks, what does that mean? And Jesus said, you must be born of the water and of the spirit. This is of the same flavor. He's doing the same thing here. He kind of gives a general statement to begin with saying, it's going to be hard. You know, you got riches. And I can see the disciples going, can't we have anything? I mean, can I have a stick of gum? I mean, can I, you know, can I own a fork or something like that? This is where we go to the nth degree, right? Well, here's what Jesus clarified. Look at this in verse 24. And the Bible says, but Jesus answered again and saith unto them, children, how hard is it for them that, yeah. There's the curse that can be lifted from your life today. There it is, in my opinion. That's the curse of America. It's not that America's rich. It's not that we've got things. There's lots of people in this country that, are, you know, that give and all that kind of business. But the problem with America is the vast majority of people trust in their riches. And that's what tithing is designed to help you to rise above. 
That's why you can give and you can give. And I, I thank you for your giving. And this is a very giving church. But some of you are still under that curse. And it's because you trust in those riches. And it causes nightmares. It causes hardships in the home. Some of you husbands and wives have gone to great battles over this stuff. And God wants to lift that off of your life. Listen to me, folks. This is the real deal. That was the problem with this guy. It wasn't that he had a bunch of money. It was because he was trusting in it. And Jesus hit him right between the eyes with that. And that's what God wants to do in here today. God wants to help us. He doesn't want you going, you know, lacking sleep and having carnaries and all that kind of stuff. He wants to help you not to trust in that stuff. And this is what Jesus said. And look at the illustration that he gives. Look at this. And this is real. The scripture says, children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And I've heard that one, the Hollywood version of that one. Where people said, yeah, in the city there was a place called the eye of the needle and this is where they would have the camel and that type, that type of thing. And if you really were real careful in that type of thing and, and exhausted yourself, you could, you could fit yourself through that. Not. That's not what he's talking about here. That eye of the needle, you study it for yourself. That is a literal eye of a needle. And the reason that is, is because Jesus wanted to help us understand the impossibility that's at stake when people will trust in their riches and still try to make it to heaven. That's what he was trying to emphasize. And that's the curse that God has personally said, I can lift that from your life. I can lift that from your life. I can give you lots of time that you can study and you can think about other things, praise God, when you don't have your mind totally on this stuff. And that's why Jesus said, he said, that it, he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then the scripture says, and they were astonished of measure in verse 26, saying among themselves, who can be saved? And then he reiterates it. The only way we can be saved is he said with men. It's impossible. And that's the curse that we see all around us every day. Now again, I'm not telling you to get down on your neighbors and that type of thing. The only reason I brought this up today is because the Lord mentioned it to me the other day. You know, and the train of thought was when this guy was asking me about the subsidies, I'm going, what do we need the government to help us for? I said, it's God is our, is our God. And that's why God, again, with free choice, free will, God has left it into the hands of his church. That's what he's done. And that's how we've operated out here. And that's how we will continue to operate. Now listen to me, folks. I'm not here to get down on you if you're not paying your tithes. I'm literally here to pray for you. Because you come back in another year or two, I'm going to tell you the same thing. I've had many people come into my office and want financial um, advice, and, like I'm some financial wizard. I'm not. I'm just a dummy from Iowa that knows how to work. That's all. I can save a few bucks. That's just what it is. I told you before, you know, about 17 years ago, it's getting, you know, I'm getting 50 years old, and I'm, you know, and I'm going, man, I, you know, I need to get something going here. And so I pray to the Lord. Six months I spent on this subject, not every day, but pretty regular. 
I said, God, I said, what's going to happen here? I need, you know, I, I don't want to be a burden on my kids. I don't want to, you know, have to live in a shelter someplace. And no offense, I just didn't. And I said, God, what are we going to do here? My idea was, God, just send me a check, and I'll just put it in the bank, and I'll just watch that interest go up and stuff like that, and we'll just go about our merry way. And that wasn't the answer God gave me. You want to know what God told me? He said, start saving. That's what he told me. And I thought, well, yeah, I can understand that one. It wasn't quite the answer I wanted to hear, but it was the one that God gave me. And that's what we have done. Sister Carnahan and I are not wealthy by any means, but we got a whole lot more money now than we had 17 years ago. And why is that? Because we quit paying our tithes and put it in, a bank, in our bank account? No. We kept paying our tithes. We keep giving our offerings. That's just what we do. But God has helped us to become better stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that's what everybody can work on. Come on. That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to help you to get the curse off of your life. And he wants to help you yeah. to become a good steward of yeah. the manifold grace of God. That's what he has in store for you. So again, I'm not here, and I don't, I don't, very rarely do I look at the records. I don't. I don't want to know sometimes. You know, not that I shouldn't, but usually God lets me know, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing here this morning. I want to pray for you. I understand that people struggle with this. I understand that this is a temptation. I understand that we live in a country that supports the opposite of what God tells us to do. I understand all of that. But I'm still going to tell you right now, God's way are better. Now listen, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start doing here. And I really got convicted this summer. A good friend of mine come out, and he's preaching for us. And, and him and I, we've been around together for a long time in the church. And he looks at me in that service, and he says, Why aren't you taking up an offering? And I'm sitting over here, and man, I, I got my tail between my legs. He caught me red-handed. There's nobody's fault in here. This is me. This is on me. Come on, point your finger at me and say, this is on you. Come on, you can do it. Point your finger at me and say, this is on you. And it is. And I thought to myself, it's biblical. And so I'm not going to start taking up, I don't feel like the Lord wants me to start taking up offerings after every service and that type of thing. If you can give tithes and offerings online and all that kind of business, that's great. But what God has helped me to understand is that I have robbed, not robbed you, boy, I better not call myself a robber, but I, I, I have shortchanged you. And what that is, is I have not given you the opportunity to bring an, oper an offering to the Lord. And I hope I can say this innocently, but I'm wrong. And I don't feel real good about it, folks. I feel like I really, really have hurt some people here by doing that innocently. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. On Sunday mornings, we're going, we're going to give an offering, if you want to, if you want to come. And we're going to do this literally with these things right here. And I'm going to have you bring your offering to the Lord. And I'm just going to give opportunity for that to happen. I feel like that's of God, and it could loosen up some people here. Now, the other idea of, again, if you're struggling with your ties and, and trusting in the Lord, I am not here to put a heavier burden on you. I am here to pray for you. I am here to help you. That's what I want to do. I want to get that curse off of your life because that curse is, is not going to do you any good. I believe that God wants to help you and I to become people who truly do trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Does that make sense? Now, are you too afraid to come down to this altar and let me pray for you? Would you let me do that?
Come on, why don't you come down here? Come on. I know we've gone a little bit over time, but I, I sense the Lord wanting to, is loosing something in this place in the name of Jesus. Somebody here, praise God, is going to have, I mean to tell you, I can, I can see the windows of heaven. I can see the doors of heaven, praise God. They're a little bit ajar right now. Come on, you can come. Come on, we got time. Come on, it, you can join us in the name of Jesus. I'm not pointing out the ones that pay their tithes and the ones that, 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 that don't. I'm not doing that. That's not my job right now. My job right now is to help each and every one of you in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to pray this. As the leader of this church, I'm going to pray this prayer for you. I'm going to ask God to help you with this matter in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus touch and strengthen these people. They're good people. There's many here that they feel like they painted themselves into a corner, but they have not. Today is the day that you're going to loose. You're going to loose them from this burden in the name of Jesus. You're going to help them, Lord God. You're going to help them to see from heavenly vision in the name of Jesus. I pray that right now, every one of them. None of them, Lord God, are going to be the same again in the name of Jesus. And Father, your word is going to have free course in this place in the name of... Oh, that's it, God. That's it. Come on. I feel the power of God in this place to loose, to loose. Come on, to loose and to rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. Come on. I'm telling you, that's what God's going to do in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. That's it. I, I, by authority of your word right now, help us to put you first. Help us to put you first in the name of Jesus. That's it, God. That's it. That's it. In the name of Jesus, strengthen these. Strengthen these, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I give you praise, Lord God. I give you glory for what you're doing right now, Lord Jesus. You're strengthening this body. You're giving them power over that devourer right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now do something. Lay your hands on that person next to you right now and pray that same prayer for them right now. Come on. Let's rebuke the devourer in Jesus' name. He does that for us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for this. I appreciate the attitude that's in here. Mm, in the name of Jesus, touch and strengthen these. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, I give you praise and glory. Thank you, Lord God. Yes, yes, all of us are in the same boat, Lord God. We live in America. This is what they're trying to do, drag us down. They're trying, this spirit in this country is trying to get us to depend on government, trying to get us to depend on the banks. It's trying to get us to depend on the almighty dollar. And God, we're going to rebuke that thought now in the name of Jesus. We're going to give you praise. We're going to give you honor and glory in the name of Jesus. And God, as always, I give you all the credit right now in the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise now. Come on, he's a fixer. Redundant, but it's a good one. It says, you deserve the glory 
and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name. For you are great and you do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great, you do miracles so great, and there is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Come on, let's, let's give him praise like we know that now. Come on, there's nobody like our God. Nobody, nobody like our God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise you, Jesus. Praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Keep in mind tonight, the men, uh, it's our night for Bible study. We'll be coming here in the sanctuary here at 5.30. Please try to make an effort to do that. Prayer is one of the catalysts and one of the areas that helps to unify us. It does. It takes care of things. Uh, and, and the Bible says the problem with prayer is that sometimes we don't know what we need. We don't know how the sequence of events are supposed to come to place. We don't. We think we do, but we don't. And prayer is one of those things that can clarify that. And so men come. I believe it is the will of God for you to become the leaders of your home. And I believe God can help you with that in some of the Bible studies we've been talking about. So tonight at 5.30, the men here, and then, of course, our fellowship and our Bible study in the back, in Jesus' name. And, and thank you for being so, so um, uh, faithful to these things. This is a great church. I want to, I'm going to reiterate that, folks. You are good people. You're God's people. That's why I use, man, I'm, I'm very careful because I, I'm telling you, you are God's people. And God is seeing you as he sees you. And some of you got glimpses of that this morning. You might see where you're at right now and you might say, man, alive, how's this going to work? Well, Jesus said it. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That doesn't mean he's going to give you an easier way. It just means that he's going to get in the other end of that package and he's going to lift with you. And it's going to make the difference in your life. And you will see results of that. You will see results of that in Jesus' name. So thank you very much. Well, do we have anything else going on? Ladies Paint Night. And um, they're doing this. Is that this coming? Saturday, Saturday yes. Saturday, um, this coming Saturday. If you're interested in painting, ladies, they've got a bunch of stuff. And she's going to order some paint and um, have some fun. Praise God. So that's this Saturday night. When does that begin? Yeah, I didn't see that. Well, she's got it on the, yeah, 4.30. So have some fun, paint. Men, let's come tonight and study the Bible, and let's, let's, let's do it God's way in Jesus' name. Lord bless you. Thank you for coming. Appreciate you being here.